how is it that we kind of walk it back a little bit and replace some of that screen time with other kinds of time, green time and connected time and dinner time and all of the things? How do we introduce some competition to that? And when we are allowing our children to be on screens, how are we co-creating that experience alongside them so that it is an experience that uh, tops them up rather than taps them out? I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Summer vacation is here. And as a parent, I don't know about you, but I am feeling the stress of trying to figure out where we are going each week for the different camps, trying to front load our kids to be prepared for certain camps and who they're with in terms of their friends. I'm texting other moms and are your kids here? Where are they? And just in general, feeling out of sorts of our routine. I really do love the summers, but not being in the regular routine of school, I find particularly hard. So Greg and I are doing one, not two things. We're doing two things. One, we're making sure we're staying connected. And I'm doing that with my 100 questions with my free guide that I have available for you. But the other thing that we're doing is we are removing the pressure with screen time. We are giving our kids screen time so that they can have their own downtime. And then we can also have a moment for ourselves. But of course, the question that always shows up when it comes to screen time is, what does this look like? What's healthy for it? What should we be doing? And I think this also then brings another layer into it, which is directly related to social media. And this is what I'm talking about with my guest today is social media and the impacts on our children. But before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to share with you that my book is now available for pre-order. I have heard from you. I've received so many comments throughout the years. Do you have a book? Dr. Tracy, I want to buy your book. Would you have one? What's it called? And here we are. It's here. And I'm so excited to be sharing it with you. It is called I Didn't Sign Up For This. A couple's therapist shares real-life stories of breaking patterns and finding joy in relationships, including her own. And in the book, I'm sharing the stories of couples who came to therapy struggling to feel good in their relationship. And what I've noticed in relationships over the years is that we are so afraid of becoming codependent that our society has overswung into independence. And we have missed the ability to build interdependence, which helps us build healthy relationships with ourselves and also with other people. This book is part self-help and also part memoir, as I'm giving you a look inside the therapy room from me sitting in my therapist chair and 
I'll look into my own marriage to the moment I found myself saying the very thing my clients had said before me, which is, I didn't sign up for this. The book is being released on September 12th. When you pre-order today, you're going to receive my exclusive guide, which is called Scripts for Difficult Conversations. This is a 27-page guide that's going to walk you through step-by-step on how to actually have hard conversations with your partner, to tackle them actually with anybody you're in a relationship with. This is a guide that's going to support you through that. I give lots of scripts and examples in there of how you can do it. But I have to tell you, the book... It's going to be available on audio and Kindle. It's filled with so many psychology tidbits and insights, but also the skills and tools that I teach my clients in my office. At the end of each chapter, I walk you through how to do this work at home, how you can do it for yourself and also for your relationship. If you're looking for more, head to my website, drtracyd.com forward slash book. Can't wait to hear from you in terms of how this book lands. Today, I'm sitting with Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. She holds a PhD in clinical psychology, and she is a best-selling author, international speaker, and a regularly invited media guest. Founder and director of the Wishing Star Developmental Clinic, she has supported parents and children for over 20 years. We are talking all about the harmful effects of social media on children and how we as parents can guide these conversations around social media in the household. Let's jump into today's session. Dr. Vanessa, I'm so excited to be sitting with you today and to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Before we jump into talking about the harmful effects of social media on children, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about you and the work that you're doing with parents. Yeah, so I'm a a mom and an author. I do a lot of speaking internationally on the concept of parenting and child raising. I walk very humbly in those same shoes, endeavoring to do my very best with my own children. And I practiced for a number of years as a psychologist uh, before sort of launching out into the global sphere of parent support. It's so important for psychologists to reach more people outside of their office. So I'm just thrilled at the work that you are doing and being able to now reach people with that expertise behind you and then to reach parents outside of that therapy room. So congratulations on on this next step for you. I'll make sure to have all of the links where people can find you in the show notes. So just thinking about social media, I'm wondering if you could even just start with giving us a high level view of how Social media has changed the landscape of childhood, but also parenting. Yeah, you know, we are a social species, which really does mean by design, we will organize ourselves around anything that allows us to be connected. Mm -hmm. Enter the world of social media, which provides this very swift, very easily accessible way of connecting with other human beings. So we love that. The problem is we love it a little too much. And as human beings, we are meant to socialize in ways that feed our souls. Mm. 
which means often to get that big feed, you have to be connected in very concrete and tangible ways. And when we're on social and we're hearting this and liking that and dropping a comment here and zooming on to the next thing, what happens is we're getting these very surface level hits that never actually get a distance of the soul feed. And so that becomes a problem over time. It's like snacking on junk food all the day long. You're never interested then in having the sit down healthy meal. That is such a powerful analogy to really sit into this idea of you're feeding something, you're feeding this this desire, this need that we have, but it's not that, I think you're the first person to actually say this, that the soul nurturing experience where it's beyond uh, that connection, the dopamine hit, the um, the other word that I know a lot of people talk about is that parasocial relationship where we think we're in a relationship with someone else, but yet we're missing that deep knowing within ourselves. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. And I think for, for children and also for grownups, we just get sucked into that vortex of the scroll and really using social media as our social connection. And that's just not the way it's meant to work. Right. So, so you're talking about connection here, how we're, we're not getting that key piece within ourselves. I'm wondering what, what else we're noticing in terms of the impact of social media on children. Well, I think there's a few kinds of uh, trends that have developed over the last 20 or so years since the real advent of social media. And some of that you can uh, begin to link causally. A lot of it's correlational. But when we look at the uh, mental health of our youth, uh, we're becoming increasingly concerned about that, particularly post-pandemic. So many kids and families became isolated, went into the world of social media in order to try and survive that, and they just haven't emerged out the other side. You cannot go and grow and emerge as a human being uh, if you are not rooted in that foundational feeling of being connected to your people. And so I think we've seen it play out in terms of mental health. Um, as part of that, we've certainly seen the impact on um, not just our, our young and growing girls, but our, also our young and growing boys, uh, where uh, things around self-image and self-concept and self-esteem are taking a hit because of, you know, the idea that comparison be the thief of joy. And uh, when you're constantly comparing to really what are unattainable standards, you're going mm. to feel less than. And, you know, back to how we tick, we want to fit in. We don't want to feel less than. So then we try and do all these crazy things to contort our bodies and ourselves into this unachievable image that's been put forward. And, you know, now we're off to the races with all sorts of challenges emerging. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. 
I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com 
com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. I'm thinking of this um, family in the media, this well-known family, um, that all of their social media is highly edited and they are not portraying what it actually looks like to be human, to be connected. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I'd be curious about your thoughts on this because I know some youth in my, in my family follow this family and, and of course I get it, right? The fashion, the makeup, the hairstyle, the nail, like I get that. I can appreciate that as someone who grew up without social media. I had magazines in the home. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, there's just this piece where it's one thing to say it of, you know, that's not real life. Remember, those aren't, you know, images that are untouched, et cetera. But then to be scrolling and to constantly have that feeding our brain are are the I'm just thinking of like the emotional part of our brain especially as our youth really can't decipher that in that moment when they're scrolling and taking in those images and the key word I think that you just said is constantly Mm. because what happens is when our eyeballs like that's what we're constantly seeing and that's the constant bombardment then that becomes our perception of what is normal, even though it's a created alternate reality. It's not normal at all. Um, And yet when we're exposed to it so frequently, we kind of um, fall into this way of thinking about it. Like, oh, that's that's normal. And because I want to belong and I want to be part of the crew and I want to fit in, I'm going to now attempt to emulate that. It's so interesting to hear you say that about the perception piece, because I I think sometimes what we do as parents is we say, I'm a parent, I know better, the front of my brain is developed, right? We're fully developed past the age of 25. We've got our prefrontal cortex to know that the images that we're seeing are perceived in such a way. And yet what was so interesting is we were on vacation recently and I found myself as an adult, as a psychologist, knowing all these things, even thinking, okay. How do I pose in this way to get the picture? Not that I'm I'm not posting it anywhere, but it's just that perception that comes into our brain that says, show up in a certain way. Have the picture that shows you in a certain way. And then lo and behold, I come home from vacation being more present and mindful and having really just soaked in the experiences. And what shows up on my Instagram is how to pose wearing a certain dress. (laughs) And Dr. Vanessa, I'm thinking they're like, I just don't have time to remember these poses and these videos. And, And instead, I can deeply remember this feeling inside of myself of being connected with those we were with. Mm-hmm. of the smell and the look of the food and what was around us in terms of the culture and the environment. And that's the piece that I hold on to. But even me as an adult easily gets swept up in that moment to moment. You with your fully formed brain. <laughs> and so imagine um, the difficulty in that for our kids who, 
you know, you reference the the way that the brain forms. It's from the back to the front and from the bottom to the top. And it doesn't really get through that process until somewhere between ages 25 and 30 years. Mm. A little earlier for women, a little later for men. Uh, not because they're behind. It's just different. And they're on a slightly different. Biologically, we are different. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and if we're struggling with that with our fully formed brains, that's the real issue that I think we all ought to be talking about is that we actually need to uh, think and be preventative rather than reactive and ensure that there's safety put into place for our children when they're online to, um, you know, safeguard them from the deleterious impact of social media. I want to come back to that prevention and safety in a moment, but mm-hmm. I first would love for you to explain the bottom the top development. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if, um, if you kind of like point your finger in and down just above your ear, <laughs> about three inches in, you're going to start to hit sort of bottom part of the brain. And if we think about the brain as having a downstairs and an upstairs, the downstairs part of the brain is sort of where the emotional circuitry is housed. The upstairs part of the brain, the outer cortical layers are where rational thought, logic, problem-solving abilities, those kinds of things live. And Self-other perspective, thinking, right? The, the yeah. ability to say, oh, okay, here I am sitting in my chair in my office, and now I'm wondering what Dr. Vanessa is perceiving in yeah. her chair in her office and how she's receiving me and as a person. That That's upstairs stuff. Upstairs stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, keeping in mind, we're talking about this bigger picture of social media, you can see how quickly, you know, the slide begins to happen because it's so difficult to conceptualize when you don't have a fully formed upstairs brain just yet. And so the downstairs brain is the first part of the brain to come online, really. And it's a lot of uh, our children's early caregiving experiences and other kinds of things that will sort of set that foundation. Everybody knows the secret to a solid structure is a solid foundation. So we really want to make sure that that piece is well tended to through the formative developmental span that is childhood. And then as that piece is settling in, those outer cortical layers begin to layer up. Um, we're going bottom up and we're going back to front. And that's an important part too, because as the the top part of the brain, the thinking part is settling in, we're also seeing that waves push forward to the frontal and prefrontal cortical regions of the brain, which is really where we're going to be come very fine-tuned at decision-making and uh, understanding uh, perspective and being able to uh, plan and executive functioning and all those good things. And that's years in the making, like 25, 30 years. I always say to parents, don't think you're retiring anytime soon because <laughs> we got a long stretch to go here. Um, and so that's how the brain is shaping up. And because it's so uh, such a lengthy period of time, and we know that the brain is going to go grow best when it's in the context of connection. It's a rich relationship that you're marinating in all around you through those growing years. Um, We really want to make sure that the kind of contact and connection our kids are having is going to feed into that growth cycle of the brain. it's, It's so big. And I know as a parent, and I know the parents listening will start to go, oh, no, my kids are using screens. Oh no, Dr. Vanessa, I'm screwing up my kids. Like I'm not the connection. What what do you say to those parents who are immediately spiraling into the, uh, what am I doing? Am I screwing up my kids? Yeah. I say to them, hang on one second. (laughs) 
of all, we all have those thoughts, you know, even those of us that are are in the doctor role and have all the, you know, credentials behind our names. We all think those things. It's our job as parents to be worried about those things and think we're doing a bad job and then course correct and all of the rest of it. Um, I also want to give parents a little bit of a nod here in the idea that this whole social media thing came on in the blink of an eye. 2003 Facebook becomes a reality. That was the year my eldest son was born. And so I think about in his lifetime, what's happened. And it's crazy. If you look back on any other major revolution that's ever taken place prior to the tech revolution, they spanned, you know, two, 300 years. So as as a species and as a culture, we have two or 300 years to be like, okay, guys, we need to get our ducks in a row. Let's, you know, plan all this out. Let's make sure there's safeguards in place. Let's do all of the things. Well, when this kind of thing is happening in 15, 20 year time span, there's no time. You can't shift entire cultures and entire ways of being in 15 to 20 years. And so like, Take a little bit of a load off parents in terms of feeling blamey and shamey towards yourselves, because this was not your fault. This happened. And now, as we are all collectively looking at this and thinking, oh, dang, <laughs> this is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is upon us when we know better to do better. So now mm-hmm. we know better. And we're just going to start to figure out how is it that we kind of walk it back a little bit and replace some of that screen time with other kinds of time, green time and connected time and dinner time and all of the things. How do we introduce some competition to that? And when we are allowing our children to be on screens, how are we co-creating that experience alongside them so that it is an experience that uh, tops them up rather than taps them out? Mm. Tell me a bit more about how parents can do that in the sense of co-creating the experience that tops them up. Yeah. Yeah. So just like we would never expect our children to, you know, come out of the womb and walk, (laughs) there's stages along the way that, um, you know, begin with a lot of support and carrying. And then eventually we step back and step back and step back and they become very capable of walking. The same thing is true of something like social media use. To be a wise consumer of and a wise contributor to the social media world involves teaching and modeling and and uh, being shown how to go. I love um, the Dove Confidence Kit that they have created, which is this gorgeous tool that parents can use to really come alongside their children and have very real conversations about what social media is, how it can actually be a lovely thing. You and I haven't met before this conversation, and yet I kind of know you, and I sort of know, like, would you put out in the world? And I see you trickling through my feed and, and all mm-hmm. of the things on a regular basis. And those are things that can top you up. You can tap into those kinds of um, uh, profiles and pages and feeds and that kind of information. And it's a soul fill. It's a lovely kind of thing. Uh, so for us to teach our children things like how do you edit your feed? What does it mean to block somebody or mute somebody? And what are some situations in which that might be the reasonable and appropriate thing to do? To um, let them know things about the algorithm and how it works. And if you click on, you know, some thin spouse 
something or other over here, you're now going to see it on repeat in your feed. And so how do we create and cultivate healthy habits to be part of that social media world and not, you know, totally consumed by it? have to confess that I've been doing a bit more avoidance with my children. They're younger. They, they're eight and almost six. And I I have had a more of a pullback reaction, Mm -hmm. but what I love that you're doing is saying, I'm going to give you this sense of agency Mm -hmm. and that I'm going to teach you that you have choices. Because when I think of the group of 18 to 25-year-olds that I'm seeing right now, one of the biggest struggles in this group is that idea that I have a choice of how I respond to this situation Mm. and that I don't have to be a helpless bystander in this experience. And so I I love what you're doing right there because it is this sense of agency by giving information and giving knowledge and that they have choices and they can have control over what is feeding that perception that can take over. Yeah. And I think so important for us as human beings to to be emergent in that way. There's something really empowering about that Uh, to have that sense of agency and also something very empowering to know that you're not just getting like chucked out into the ocean sink or swim style. We're we're gonna kind of ladder you up step by step by step and figure it out. And we're going to make sure that there's safeguards in place all around so that you know if you have a little stumble here or there, it's not gonna be a colossal fall. Mm. It'll just be a stumble. And then we'll figure it out. We'll dust off and we'll carry back on and all will be well. One of the other things that I have done with my own children and I talk with other parents about is to really go back to this idea that it takes a village, you know? So when our children are out there in the social media world, that it's like being out in the village growing up. I grew up in this very small town. And if I misstepped, I could be like on the other side of town in somebody else's backyard. And my mother would know about it five minutes from now because that's how the village worked. And we can create a village for our children as well. When my boys um, got access to social media, all of my friends and myself were following their accounts. And Mm. so it's this familial village kind of feel to it. My eldest son, he had a moment. It was actually quite innocent uh, after the fact where he, you know, several years ago, he had posted a meme of some kind and it it had a connotation if you looked at it one way uh, and then totally didn't if you looked at it the other way. And he just didn't see the connotation in it. His brain mm-hmm. wasn't going there and, and bless him for his innocence. He just didn't see it. Uh, and I remember, you know, there's always this hazard when you're a professional in this uh, kind of work and you're also parenting where you, you have the moment where you're like, oh my God. I remember being in a meeting and my phone blowing up and it was my girlfriends being like, get on to social. Your kid just posted this thing. You know, everybody was having a moment. Um, and so you can create that experience as well, where there's, you know, all sorts of grownups that are just alongside you mm. for the journey and you don't have to feel like you're figuring it out by yourself. I need to let that sink in a little bit because I remember being a teenager growing up in a small town uh. and there was that village. And then also though, I think the way my parents would sometimes do it is be like, well, so-and-so told me they saw you out at the corner with so-and-so. 
I remember wanting to revolt against the small town and leave the small town and wait till I was ready to move out. But I love that reframing of creating this community there with you, that you're not alone, that we can lean on the supports there. And I think what you're saying as well, in addition to that, is that as the parent, you're coming in to model that I'm here to support you, not to find out if you've done something bad or wrong. Yeah, is that... Yeah, 100%. I I have always endeavored and teach about this often, that when something goes wrong for our children, we want their first thought to be call mom, call dad, they'll know what to do. Mm. We don't want their first thought to be don't call mom, don't tell dad, right? And so how can we make sure that the way we are guiding and responding when things are tricky for our kids is full of the kind of energy that invites them to lean on us rather than to run the other way. What could parents be doing to foster that come to me perspective? Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting question because the whole idea of discipline really comes up in these kinds of conversations. And counterthetically, when we're disciplining our children, we don't want to give them the experience of feeling wrong. And so it's how do we respond with firmness and compassion and kindness in equal measure at the same time, that this is the expectation and this is how it needs to go. And it didn't go that way. And Mm -hmm. so I'm here to help you and we're going to figure this out. And then we move as the adult to put the structures in place that allow the norm, the standard, the rule, the expectation, the boundary to be held and delivered on. There doesn't need to be shame. There doesn't need to be punishment. There doesn't need to be blame. It's just, this is how it is and nothing else um, will take the place of how it's going to be. And I am here to help you make that happen. Oh, that's so good. Um, I I wrote, as you were speaking, I wrote, remove shame. And Mm -hmm. you had said it, which is such an important piece, right? That we don't, we as parents don't need to lump on shame for our children. When they make mistakes, they feel that on their own. And if we can be that secure, calm, compassionate parent that says, Hey, we all make mistakes. Come to me with those. And, and actually one of the, my favorite things to do with my, I have a highly sensitive child and very prone to perfectionism, making no mistakes. Mm -hmm. One of the most powerful things I do is I say, let me tell you about a time when that happened to me. Let me tell you about my mistake doing that. Yeah. Where we can be saying these. There's mm-hmm. such a, a sense of belonging in those shared experiences and the stories that allow uh, our children to really have insight into what's that that's like and and how you come through that too. You know, we all we all fall down, and what really matters is that we get back up again and find our way forward. Yeah, so important. Okay, you mentioned first the Dove Confidence Kit. Where can mm. people find more about that? Yeah, if you go to dove.ca, it's part of the Dove Self-Esteem Project or DSEP, we like to call it for um, short. And that, like really that resource is so dynamite. It's several pages of how to talk with your kids, things to be talking about, how to have conversations about uh, self-image and self-esteem. And so it really is, what I love the most about it, so empowering for parents. Because I think um, you've sort of uh, nodded towards this feeling in parents where they're like, ah, I don't know. And so this me, me as a professional, I'm yes, you know, I'm trained in human behavior. And there are moments where my child comes to me, I'm like, 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> where's, yeah. where's my speed dial child psychologist to tell me? Yeah. yeah. And if we're feeling that, like I always just imagine what, what's yeah. it like out there in the world? <laughs> it's it's a tough slog. And so it really does give parents the, uh, the information uh, that can allow them to feel empowered and coming in um, alongside their children. So, you know, they don't feel so alone. We do know that parents are really worried about that for their kids. Um, one of the Dove stats is that 82% of parents are worried about or feel like social media has impacted their child's mental health. 82%. So that's basically like all of us are wandering around thinking, oh, okay, we need to fix this. How do we do that? And so the, the Dove Confidence Kit is a, is a really great tool for that. I also think, you know, you can feel very empowered when you enter into a space of advocacy on these things as well, especially when it comes to our children. And um, I'm sure, have you had a chance to watch the Cost of Beauty film? Mm, not yet, no. Okay, I'm just telling you right now to like, get a box of Kleenexes, mm-hmm. take a few deep breaths, because it is a film that will uh, very swiftly and in a really raw and real way uh, bring to life the concern that we all have about social media. It's the story of a young girl named Mary who gets her first phone for her 11th or 12th birthday. Um, and 18 months later, it's inpatient on an eating disorder clinic. Um, and so really struggled. Uh, I got the chance to meet Mary in Toronto a few weeks back as part of the launch um, for that campaign. Uh, and she's a healthy, thriving, at the time, not quite 20 year old. <laughs> she was living out the last of her years, her days as a teen, she said, mm-hmm. um, with, with gumption. Uh, and so she's doing well. And and there was a lot that happened. They have incredible home video that's woven through uh, the film to show how the decline started and the direct connection back to social media. Um, and connected to that, Dove has started a campaign, which is just the most brilliant thing ever. If you go uh, to dove.ca backslash kids online safety, there's, uh, you click where you, where you are, there's a, a letter that auto-populates, and then you just push a button. And you send it directly to government to be part of this rising chorus of voices that is saying, not on our watch. We will not allow this to happen to our children on repeat, ongoing with no checks and balances in place, not on our watch. And um, it feels good to be part of a movement that's taking care of kids. Mm, I love that. I'm going to have the links in the show notes for anyone who just wants to quickly tap over the show notes to see them. Um, And that's something that I'm going to do immediately after. Because I, I feel this in my bones, in my core, in my soul, I feel this using social media as a connector of being able to connect with someone like you, Dr. Vanessa, I wouldn't have met you otherwise. I think of all of the people all over the world I've been able to reach and connect with. It's so powerful. And then I also think of the other part where my children's brains, they're not ready for it. Our kids' brains are not ready for this. And, um, you know, I think one of the questions that comes to mind in your expertise, what would you say is an ideal age to introduce teens to social mm-hmm. media or kids? I should say kids to see. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really tricky go because so much of that's going to come down to life in your household, how your family goes and the temperament of your child. You spoke about having a highly sensitive child. I mean, I, social media can be a 
beast of a thing to cope with if you're a highly sensitive kind of person and so mm-hmm. child temperament. Um, and to a certain extent, though, this should not be the driving deciding factor, sort of what is the, the norm going on around your child? And you know, how do you sort of match up your level of comfort to that? I think developmentally for our children, if we consider brain development and moving into sort of a less egocentric um, way of being and starting to extend a little bit more into being able to feel into the world around us, probably 13, 14 is when we begin the ladder. It's not a full release when we begin the ladder and then sort of walk forward. But again, parents are going to need to make those decisions for themselves based on who their family is and who their child is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What other things could people put in place in terms of that safety? You had talked earlier about prevention and phone safety. What should parents be looking at? Yeah, so go through the Dove Confidence Kit because there's lots of great things in there in terms of the actual use of social media. Um, I like also to pull the lens back and think about how do we live? And so if you were to look around your home, what are the spaces in your home and what are the times for your family that historically have been reserved for moments of connection? Uh So for example, when you're sitting at the dinner table, historically, when we break bread together, it's an experience of connection. When you are in your bedroom, getting ready to go to bed at night, what is the bedroom for? The bedroom is for um, uh, decompressing and relaxing and turning the mind off and, you know, having quiet, restful time. Uh, What do you do first thing in the morning? When you've had this whole, like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 hours, if you're lucky, of not being connected to your people, what's the first thing that you want to do in the morning? Mm. Get connected to your people. So then do you have a rule in your home that's people before phone? So we don't get on our phones first thing. We find our people and we break bread together. We have breakfast or we pour a hot cup of something and we enjoy the start of the morning together. Same thing at the end of the day. Our children are heading into a long period of, of being away from us, even in the act of sleep. And so how do we top them up with moments of connection as opposed to, you know, tune out and plug into something else? Um, if you are uh, thinking about how we've historically gone as humans, we spent a lot of time outside and we spent a lot of time moving way more than we do now. And so this conversation about green time for screen time, you know, if your kids are on screens for an hour, then they're outside for an hour because that's how we balance it. And that's how we make it kind of make sense. Uh, If your kids are on screens for an hour, what are we doing that's going to involve movement of our bodies? Because Mm. sitting is the new cancer. We want to be, you know, human beings and doing the things that humans have always done. And so when we create a fully rounded life experience for our children and introduce lots of moments of competition for that screen time, um, competition for the superficial connection that screen time provides and replace that with like the the real grit of being a human being, then you're you're doing great. Mm. Two of our connection points, well I would say all four of those is when we wake up, we're not on our screen, so we're connecting. We if we're lucky, we get a bit of time to read with kids or I'm on the floor playing Legos with my son um, or we're making breakfast and lunches together to get at the door and get to camp, et cetera, in school. Um, so that is a really important piece. And I always say to clients as well, to my adult clients, start your day away from entering into the outside world. 
stretch for a little bit, turn to your partner, right? When we come back to the relational piece, couples need those connection pieces as well to help build that solid foundation to then demonstrate that to our children. So turn to your partner, right? If your phone is your alarm, that is my worst habit. I wish it wasn't. If your phone is your alarm, turn that off, turn to your partner and give them that connection. And actually, I want to reframe that. Not even just give them that, give yourself Right that connection, yeah. right? Give my husband yourself. and I were having this funny conversation yesterday. You know, when you go to like a bridal shower, this is back in the day, and I grew up very uh, churchy, and so I was at a lot of bridal showers. <laughs> all of these women from the church providing all of this, you know, um, sage advice on how to be married and stay married happily. Um, so my husband and I were joking about what would like what would our advice be. And we have this thing in the morning that we just happened into as a couple that we call the coffee cuddle. And we're often up at different times that, you know, he's earlier, or I'm earlier. Whoever's up first makes the coffee. And then when the other person wakes up, you deliver the coffee with a cuddle. And mm. so you both get that fill up. And we were like, yeah, if we if we were at a church bridal shower and out that, that would be the advice. <laughs> but it really is turn to your partner and have this yeah. and have your children turning to you. So that's what they're looking to. They're looking for the the actual human connection as part of starting your day. Mm. I read someone recently post um, when your kid walks into the room, do you stop what you're doing and light up to see them? And that really stood out for me, not just yeah. your kid, but your partner as well, right? And and again, if we're so attached to our phones, we miss those moments, right? It's like, okay, yeah. let me just finish this instead of like putting it away. One of the conversations we've had in our house is around the accessibility of the phone. So for us as adults and how we're modeling it. And I love that my children are getting more vocal now because they'll reflect it back to us. You're on your phone. What are you doing? Let me see, right? Like, so it is kind of the the cue to us and, yeah. and not to justify it. It's tricky when we're running our own businesses. And so we are in some ways trying not to be constantly connected, but in a way there's that kind of pull to do that. So what we're looking at is how are we uh, glued to it? Like it, it almost in the physical sense of like, is it stored in your pocket? Is it in your hoodie? Is it on the counter where you're making food? So it is easily accessible. And then how can you then put that away? So it's these designated times in your home where the screens are not there. They're not easily accessible. Oh, let me go look that up or yeah. let me text that person. And right. yeah. Yeah. You know, I have this um, gorgeous colleague in Australia, Dr. Christy Goodwin is her name, and she's written a couple of books, one for parents around um, technology and screen exposure, and more recently one for grownups. And, and what she teaches, and she's so good at it too, like she just figures it all out and she's got these great habits around it, is that you don't want to be nibbling away at the phone all the day long or at your email inbox all the day long or at your text stream that you need to respond to all the day long. You you really want to create stretches of time where you dial in and then you're on to the next thing. Mm. And that's its own stretch of time. And then the next thing, which is its own stretch of time, as opposed to this sort of like leak that happens where it just sort of, you know, invades every crevice of our lives. And then we never have a, an opportunity to be present in the moment to what's actually happening around us for us and for our children. Oh, that's a good one. The the leak and the time blocking. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that one because I know 
excuse me, that is something I've been trying to put into place. And, and I'm sure you can connect to this in the sense of emails are constantly coming in from clients, from the next speaking event, from all of the other things. And it can be tricky to unplug from that and then to readjust the schedule for it. But I think that's a, a beautiful habit. Okay, Dr. Vanessa, I want to ask this question. Bring it. Let's do it. Is there one social media platform that is worse than all the other ones? Mm, that's a good question. I have no like formative opinion in terms of research or other kinds of things. I, I know there's lots of people way smarter and way more knowledgeable than me about that particular topic. So I don't know that I can say one or the other. Mm. What I have noticed is that there's certain platforms that their sticky quotient, if that makes sense, yep. is a little louder. So for example, if you have, um, like what even is Snapchat? Nobody knows. <laughs> you have a Snapchat um, a string stream. I don't even know what it's called. But you get <laughs> so on Snapchat. And if you don't respond within a certain time period, you break your string. Let's call it a string. They're oh. all making fun of us right now. Like the kids, I, parents are playing this in their car where their kids are in the back seat. And they're like, this old lady who's calling it a string, whatever it is. If you don't respond within a certain period of time, you break that string. And so you, you look like you're not in the club. You're not participating. Oh. You're not part of it. So I remember my nephew was in town last year and he was 18 years old at the time. He was uh, playing a baseball tournament. And so I was driving him around to all of these uh, ball games. And we'd be in the car and he'd just be flipping his phone up and taking a photograph of his forehead line. I'm like, what are you doing? And what he was doing was keeping his snap streams alive. So he just is sending everybody a photo of his forehead, which is what they do, in order to not break the string. Like he doesn't want to be the bad kid that didn't follow the connections alive. So it's sticky. It's pulling you back constantly. And the number of families that have come into my clinic who are having like full out wars with their children about access to their phones because they don't want to break their Snapchat um, record or, you know, disrupt the stream or the string or whatever we're calling it. That's an issue. So as a parent, I would be looking in from the outside at any platform and really considering how sticky is it. Like, are there things about it that are pulling my child back in? And do we maybe want to push the pause button on that one? Oh, that is, that's intense. I, I will admit, I remember one of my, my teen clients coming to session once and saying, I'm on Snapchat. I'm like, hang on. What's Snapchat? <laughs> so I, I mean, and I think this is the evolving challenge of parents is trying to stay on top of it, on top of terms and expressions. And okay, that's an important one. Dr. Vanessa, what would be your top tip? The one thing that you would want parents to take away from today, from the work that you're doing, from Dove's campaign, what's the top piece that you want them to know or to put into place? That's such a great question. and I think. For us as parents to know that we know, even if we have no idea, we do know the answer. We just don't know that we know it. We were born to this job of, of being the parents to our children, of raising them and guiding them. We were born to this. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. It's in our cellular makeup that we will find a way through. And for us to just 
sit steady in the knowledge that we've got this and we just need to keep chipping away at it to be present and informed and available so that our children are not blowing around in the wind. So to put it into one line, don't be overwhelmed. Stay on, stay on the path because you mm-hmm. do have this and we, we will find our way forward. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I know you have things on the go. So where can people find you? Yeah. So my website is Dr. Vanessa LaPointe, Dr. Vanessa LaPointe with an E on the end.com. I'm very active on social media as it happens. Um, on both and and by, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. If, if you're listening, head over to Instagram because Dr. Vanessa posted one about sharing a toy and you need to watch that one <laughs> about watch sharing. That and then go read all the comments, which are super interesting <laughs> as a sort of uh, looking at the pop culture of child raising that we're all yeah. swimming around in right now, right? Yes, right. Or or maybe don't look at the comments. And... Or maybe don't. Yeah, maybe just sit in your own wisdom. <laughs> so I'm very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook. I, I do tend to post a lot of video content to kind of bring information to life for parents. I've got mm-hmm. blogs and articles and other things, both on my website and in my membership community. And and I'm always thrilled to be hanging out with grownups uh, who are just looking for a way to be the best that they can be for their kids. Thank you, Dr. Vanessa, for all that you share for others and for sitting with me today. Thank you. It's been great to talk with you. I love how Dr. Vanessa talks about competition of screen time with the other things that light us up inside. Green time, connection time. I think this is going to be the biggest piece for me that I'm taking away from today's conversation. And I would love for us to be able to frame this, not just for our children, but also within ourselves and also within our relationship. Thinking of you, ask yourself these questions. What fills you up? What lights you up inside that is a bucket filler? What about when you're with your partner? What lights you up in your connection? I know many people come to this place in their relationship where it feels tiring, exhausting, and the disconnection feels as wide as the Grand Canyon. I want you to know this. You get to make choices each day. So if you do feel this chasm between you and your partner, I want you to know that you get to choose. You always have a choice. You can choose something for you. Choose connection because it feels good for you. Turn to your partner in the smallest way to cross that bridge. You don't have to do it because you think your partner wants it, or you don't have to hold back because you're feeling resentful that they're not doing something. Do it for you. Just take that one small step. If it's grabbing their hand, if it's giving them that 30 second hug or the six second kiss, we know that it is just seconds that helps us to release oxytocin, the bonding and cuddle hormone so that we can feel closer to our partners. Because when we do feel connected, we just feel so much more better with everything else that we do. All right. I'm so grateful that you've joined me for another episode here on the podcast. As always, I love hearing from you. If you have enjoyed today's episode, if you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes here on the pod, please leave me a review. Click the stars and leave me a few lines. I read all of them and I love hearing what you think. And furthermore, one of the best ways that you can help me reach more people with the pod is by sharing it with someone you love or clicking subscribe. There's a little button at the top that you can subscribe to the podcast. All right. Until next time, take good care of you. 
Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.